lovely that was um, for those of you listening that was Alan Klein accompanied by Vance's director of music Debbie Briding we um, are turning still to first Peter first Peter is a is a book for our times it is about the church and its suffering so hear this word from God from first Peter in the first chapter If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with the perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. 
Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. And our gospel lesson today is a familiar story, sometimes called the walk to Emmaus. It comes to us from Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Now on that same day, the day that Jesus had appeared to his disciples in the upper room, Two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about these, all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them what things, and they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. But moreover... Some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, He walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. 
They said this, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's review a little bit this strange story. Two disciples are walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a far walk. The scripture says seven miles. Some think as much as 20 miles, depending on where you think Emmaus was located in the ancient time. And they're talking about the events of the day. And a stranger appears and starts walking with them. And they are talking about this man named Jesus of Nazareth. And the stranger says, what are you talking about? And they go on to explain how wonderful a prophet Jesus of Nazareth had been. But now he has been crucified and dead. And some of the women went to the tomb to anoint his dead body, and it was not there. And angels said to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And they tell this story to the stranger, and the stranger says, you goofy people, you missed the whole point. And the stranger tells from the time of Moses on through the prophets exactly who Jesus of Nazareth was. He opens the scriptures up to them in ways they have never imagined them before. This stranger is an interesting cat. He tells good stories. He's charismatic. He's fun to listen to. And as they get to their home, he acts as if he's going to continue on. Strangers don't just insinuate themselves into your home. And they beg him to stay. They strongly urge him. Well, of course they do. They're good Jews. Good Jews don't let strangers move upon their way to sleep outside at night where wild animals might get them, where robbers and thieves might come and beat them and take all they have. No, good Jews know that strangers are to be welcomed into their home, and so they beg the stranger to stay And he comes in and stays with them. What a weird story. Part of the reason it's weird is because we don't understand the Jewish encouragement to care for the stranger. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. But one of the other reasons this story is odd is because we know, and follow me carefully here, this is profound, we know that strangers are strange. Right? Strangers are strange. When we had the Messiah here, I will never forget this, there were about a half a dozen kids that came in, young adults, beautiful young adults, came in and they looked like, let's see, what did they look like? They looked like young adults is what they looked like. They had tattoos, they were pierced, one of them had a hoodie up like this, one of them had a ball cap on. They all came and sat in the back row in the balcony and people were like, there's strange people up in the balcony. And so I sat up here so I could keep an eye on the strange people. And I started looking up there and then I started looking up here at the college students singing with us and I thought, you know, those strange people don't really look all that much different from these strange people. And those strangers among us, I will tell you, were some of the most appreciative audience we had for the Messiah. They loved it. They were hanging on every note. But people were suspicious of them because they didn't know them. And they looked different. Strangers are strange. Sometimes they speak different languages, they have different skin colors, they're shorter or taller or fatter or thinner or richer or poorer than what we're used to. Even the Bible knows that strangers are strange. In the 10th chapter of John, John talks about how the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know their shepherd. Sheep follow the shepherd. But then John adds this great piece of text. Sheep won't follow a stranger. They'll follow the one they know. Even sheep know that strangers are strange. In order to understand the Emmaus text, we really have to get into the sense of what hospitality to a stranger means still in Jewish culture. The Torah, the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament is filled time and time and time again with the notion that one is to do justice to the widow and the orphan and be kind to the stranger. Welcome the stranger. Show, as my professor, Hebrew professor used to say, show hospitality to the gar. Gar is stranger in Hebrew. And sometimes that word gets defined as the resident alien, the illegal immigrant, the one who really doesn't belong in our place. And we have to think about why that is. 
I hope that those of you who started to read Holy Envy in our book study, which was supposed to be our Lenten book study, have continued to read it because it's marvelous. It's very accessible theology. She's sharp. And it's Barbara Brown Taylor's journey of teaching world religions to college students. And she talks about this very thing, about the place of the stranger. She says, anytime you hear yourself thinking or saying something about those people, you know that your stranger Geiger counter has just gone off. Without saying a word, simply by being there, the stranger reminds you that you may not know the world as well as you think you do, a world that is full of different people with different claims on its resources, different notions of right or wrong, and different understandings of God. Without even thinking about it, stereotypes free up mental energy, remember? You may conclude that people like you stand to lose something if people who are not like you become too powerful, too fearless, or too numerous. That's what Pharaoh thought about the Hebrews. Most of the time, it only takes one to trigger the problem of the stranger. And Barbara Brown Taylor goes on to say, in the Torah, there are a couple of ways that people are reminded that they should love the stranger. In fact, she says, if you are a Christian and you go to church and you know the notion that you are to love your neighbor, which we all do, go like this, right? If you were a Jew, you would know equally as well the notion that you are to love a stranger. And why? Because one imitates God in loving the stranger. One imitates God by doing what God says. Because almost 40 times in the Old Testament, it's clear that we must love the stranger. But mostly in the Hebrew text, we must love the stranger Because we know what it's like to be one. The Hebrews were strangers in a strange land when they were slaves in Egypt. And Pharaoh got frightened of them because they were weird. They were strange. They got too powerful. They got too odd. And they began to be oppressed. And the text says, you shall not oppress a stranger. For you know the feelings of a stranger, having yourselves been strangers in the land of Egypt. We know what it's like to be strange. To not be welcomed. To not receive hospitality. Taylor goes on, if you get into a situation where you do not have the luxury 
of thinking about what it means to be authentically human. In other words, all you have to do is remember a time when you were a stranger yourself, when you were on the receiving end of both the derision and the surprising kindness of people who did not look and think and talk like you. Once it has happened to you, you do not easily forget. Hebrew people have been remembering that for what? 6,000 years or something like that? One of the sad things that got postponed during all of this virus mess was that Rabbi Leaf and I were supposed to have a pulpit exchange. And part of that pulpit exchange was also supposed to include the fact that our congregations were going to share in worship with one another. And the interesting thing about that was we were going to do it right before the highest holidays, holiest holidays of both our faith traditions. For us, right before Easter, for them, right before Passover. And I made the decision to change our Monday Thursday service so that we could go to Monday Thursday and then go over to Passover and join the temple for their highest day. And when I told the rabbi that, he said, thank you. Thank you, because by doing that, you will help us be better Jews. Because we then can receive you, strangers, as guests among us. See, we know the part of the Emmaus story, the end of it, where Jesus is known in the breaking of the bread. The part that we miss, though, is Jesus has come into that home as a stranger. And yet breaking bread and distributing distributing it around the table is not the act of a stranger. It's the act of the host. When the people at that table no longer look at Jesus as a stranger among them, but look at him as their guest, as their beloved, as the one who belongs, bread is broken and their eyes are open. Welcome the stranger among us. Thanks be to God. Amen.